celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. The toll-free number is 1-866-405-8405. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Now, I'm trying to think here. (laughs) Stop everything. Stop. Stop the presses. What happens when I die and my pet's still alive? This is a thought that I had never thought of really until today. And I'm thinking my pets would be up that creek without a paddle. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I see a lot of family members come in and, and think that the person has it all figured out. And they, like, uh, say a nephew, my aunt just died, and I don't know what to do with her cats, and there's no provisions. And so then what are the, we're leaving it in the hands of people that really don't know the pet and know their needs or may not be equipped to handle them. Is this an actual actual thing that's happening with you? Oh, yeah. We, we see that all oh, the time. Oh, you see that all the time. Yeah. And if you don't have directions, then it is really left up to someone else to decide for you. And sometimes they will opt to either adopt the animal out or have them put to sleep. Mm. So if it isn't something that you know they can always take care of, um, especially if it is a special needs situation. So I would encourage people to make provisions and, and make it into a written down as much legal format as you can. Okay. By a show of hands, how many people have a pet trust or have included their pet in their will? I have. You're the only one holding your hand up. <laughs> wait, wait. There, but you know, it's not just if you die, because I got to tell you, online, I, I am involved in so many rescues and things, and we see and hear about so many animals that are left to others because their their parent is usually elderly and has gone into, you know, home care, like nursing mm-hmm. home care. Sure, that's That's a good point. very common. Mm. You know, what happens a lot of these these senior animals... Because they usually are older. If they don't have a place to go, if they end up in the shelter, you know, nobody wants to adopt a senior animal anymore. They all want a puppy. I do. Yeah, I know you. You're different. I do. But most people will turn their head on the senior puppy, and that puppy might get euthanized if you don't have them included in a trust or, or something to take care of them after you expire, after you punch that ticket. And let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, you never know when that's going to happen. No one, it's going to happen. It will happen. That's the one thing I will. You will expire at some point in time. No one's figured out a way around that. But will it be before your pet goes? We're going to be talking to AJ Fudge, a good friend of Animal Radio. She's coming back to talk about planning your estate around your pet, creating a pet trust, or putting them in a will. Simply uh, asking your neighbor or friend to do that. It doesn't hold up in court, unfortunately. They could they could take your money and run. If it's documented, that's the best way to go, okay? And we're going to find out all about it coming up in just a few minutes with A.J. Fudge. I just like that name. That I wish to cool change, change my name to Fudge. Fudge. Just like, just, I just like saying it. Fudge. Fudge it. Fudge. What? <laughs> <laughs> You've been uh, smelling too much catnip, pal. CBDs. I've been checking out the CBDs. CBDs are big this year. If you don't know what that is, it's a, uh, it's a, I guess it's a part of marijuana. A portion of marijuana, is that right, Dr. Debbie? Yes, cannabidiol is the, the Ooh, compound. You know the name. And a lot of people are using it now for their animals. And there's there's a dime a dozen companies that are trying to pitch this stuff. And we're going to find out what the deal is all about that. And also, what companies are doing to test items before they bring them to market. That's all here on today's Animal Radio. What are you working on, Lori? Mine is going to be very simple. I'm going to okay. talk to you about the colors of cats. And there's really only two, 
So make your selections now, and we'll tell you in a few. <laughs> There's only two colors? I'm so disillusioned. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's on the way. Uh, let's go to the phones first. And Hi, Darlene. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Where are you today? I'm in Maryland. Maryland. Okay, yeah. beautiful Maryland. Well, I have the whole team here. What's going on? Um, we were concerned about Oreo. He um, had allergies, um, itchy eyes, and they runny. They're more runny eyes. Okay. And he was given a um, a medicine that we were kind of concerned about. It had a lot of side effects to it. However, I noticed that when Oreo goes and gets his hypo, hy- hydro surge or some other places called a hydro ozone bath, it relieves all of that. It stops the itching, calms his itching down considerably. His eyes don't be running as bad as they used to. And I was just wondering if that's something that we should invest in to start um, doing in between his grooming or not. Is Oreo a dog or a cat? Oreo's a dog. He's a Maltese. He's half poodle, half Maltese. Okay. All right. Well, that puts a little bit of light. Thank you for asking that, Hal, because <laughs> it does really matter. Because when we have runny eyes in dogs, there are certain conditions that do come to mind more in certain breeds versus others. Yep. And when I hear, you know, both Poodle and Maltese, they often can have some problems with eye discharge of different characters. And it really depends on what the character is, how how bad it is, and if there are other symptoms that go with it. Now, you mentioned that your, your dog uh, was put on an eye medicine can i ask do you know what that was um I, let me see if i still have it because it had a lot of side effects that i was concerned about so uh, i don't give it to him um it was called apoquil apoquil oh that's an that's a pill okay so it's not an yes. eye drop Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. So let's let's go back to runny eyes in dogs. There's basically a couple basic reasons. One is that we are producing more tears than normal. The other okay. is that there's um, something that is causing the tears to not go in the normal pathway. So in okay. the first category, more tears than normal. Um, some dogs can have little um, extra eyelash lashes on their eye. We call dystichia or trichiasis that they can irritate mm-hmm. the eye. Um, there can be also things that can cause pain in the eye that can cause the eyes to tear excessively. And then there are things like um, problems with the drainage in tears that will cause them to have the tears spill on their face because the normal path for tears from a dog's eyes um, that produced in the tear glands they go in the eye and they should drain into the nasal lacrimal channel into the nose Um, that's the normal pathway now i do find in many um, small breed dogs they can have problems with that duct where it could be clogged up Um, in some cases they won't have the duct but in most cases it can be just kind of clogged up from mucus and other stuff so for me, that's the first thing I like to do is to take a good look at the pet's eyes. And if I see anything that's causing irritation, then we deal with that. If not, then I like to test for patency in this duct. And it's a very simple thing to do. Um, 
some veterinarians call it the Jones test. It's basically where we take a little fluorescein, a little like fluorescent dye, we put it in the eye, and about anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes later, it normally will drain into the nose, and we can actually see it with uh, a luminescent uh, light. Um, Mm -hmm. If it doesn't show up there, then it means we have a blockage, and that means I'm not going to give you a pill. I'm not going to give you an eye drop. I'm going to recommend that we flush your dog's nasolacrimal ducts, and I think that is one of the most over, um, it's most commonly missed causes of dogs that have runny eyes um, because yeah. many of them may have um, allergic problems along the way. They can have other problems. But once those tear, tear ducts get blocked, um, we're really not going to expect that we're not going to have some buildup along the eye and always have w- wet, moist um, eyeballs. Um, so that would be one thing. Just make sure your veterinarian has done that. And uh, now, um, as far as there are a lot of things over the counter people will use on the face to try to remove stains. And I'm not a huge fan of those because unless we're just truly proven that there's not anything medically going on, that it's just a cosmetic problem, fine, have at it, use those things, angel eyes, there's types of um, wipes you can use in the area. That's all great. But I'm, I'm all for trying to get to the bottom of, you know, what might be causing that. Okay. Um, All right. So, and, and you mentioned, um, you know, Apoquel, which is a pill form of a medicine for allergies, which it definitely right. does have its place if, you know, mm-hmm. if we really feel it's necessary. I don't know with what you've described, it would have been my first go-to thing that I would have tried um, if your pet's problems are only with its eyes. If, if we're itching, scratching, chewing elsewhere, yeah, I, I think that might be one of my one of a, my tools that I would pull out. But otherwise, I would okay. make sure we're doing a good eye exam there. Uh, okay. Darlene was talking about this hydrotherapy. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. What, I got all off on a about? tangent. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure. Well, there is. A, we actually have a hydro surge machine in our office, and it's it's nothing. Yeah. I don't want to say it's not special or fancy. It's basically a um, pressurized system where we take a concentrated shampoo and it will dilute it in water and apply it to the patient. So that is a machine. It is by itself not magical in that it doesn't stop pets from itching. Now, whatever products they may be using. They may be using a hypoallergenic shampoo. Maybe they're using something oatmeal-based. I'm not sure, but you know that's um, more of the process of what kind of product they're using. So I would not invest in some, you know, horribly expensive bathing equipment. But what we do know is when we bathe pets, we are removing a source of environmental allergens. So all those things that are mm-hmm. floating around in the air, that people who smoke cigarettes, you know, we've got all sorts of aerosols landing in the air. Um, they're on your pet's fur. And so okay. by bathing, we're actually removing those environmental allergens. And so it might help to kind of lessen some of those symptoms that you're seeing. So, okay. yeah, save your money on the biggest machine. <laughs> okay. He loves to go to the beach. That's one of his favorite things. And I was concerned, like, maybe the sand could be getting in his eyes because he likes Absolutely. To, but he don't want to get wet. He don't want to get his feet wet, but he loves the sand. <laughs> he's a land lover. He's, he's not for the water. <laughs> I don't understand, but that's what he likes to do. So then he likes to hang out the window when we're driving. He loves uh. to do that. That's uh, well, thing, you know, all the irritants and things. Absolutely. Thing, saying it's coming back in my eyes, and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Darlene, well, give Oreo a pat on the head yes. for us, and we wish you guys well. It sounds like okay. my weekend at the beach, too. You know, I come back all Sandy-like. Uh, okay, let's see. one 405 8405 
This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by author Helen Brown in the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Her website's HelenBrown.com. And thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pets Welcome Here. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and this is my pal Rosie from Pets Welcome Here, the TV special about amazing adventures you can share with your pets. Find Pets Welcome Here on your local network affiliate or petswelcomehere.tv and check our schedule to see when we're on in your area. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We're everywhere, and we have a correspondent from SuperZoo, which is the pet industry's biggest manufacturer event. This is where all the manufacturers get together, and they sell all the products that you find in the pet store at this SuperZoo event. And we had Robert Samro out there. He's going to tell us what was hot this year. I'll give you a clue. CBD. That's on the way in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? Well... If you have a, a food or there's, you know, a, a great food that you feed your pets, and, I mean, we're talking a high-quality food. You uh-huh. think you've done all the research and this is the best food and you're so happy with it. I, I'm afraid to tell your friends that um, Nestle Purina is now making a, a more than $1 billion bid on another company that might make that food. In fact, there's two targeted foods that they're after, and we will tell you which ones they are coming well, up. You see, the big companies like Nestle and Mars, they're buying up all the small food companies, all the good food companies, and they're just churning out. Well, we'll find out more <laughs> in just a few minutes. Let's go to line two. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks. How are you all today? Great. Good. Dr. Debbie, i got a question for you about my about five-and-a-half-year-old golden doodle. Alrighty, what you got? Well, he had PPLO surgery about six weeks ago, and I was wondering how soon is too soon to, you know, let him go to the groomer and get himself cleaned up. He's kind of getting to be a stinky little fella. (laughs) So I'm going to have to explain for how PPLO surgery. (laughs) You were, I knew that question was coming. TPLO surgery is done for dogs that have a ruptured cruciate ligament, uh, which is one of the major ligaments in the knee. So just like a football player that blows out their knee, taking that turn and making that catch, dogs jumping off a couch or catching a frisbee can blow out the knee the same way. So, um, so your doggy ruptured that. Now, how's he getting along post-surgery at this time? You know, the next day he actually walked out of the vet underneath his own power, and he's been doing great. The hardest thing is keeping him him calm. He wants to jump on everything, and uh, uh-huh. I've got to, 
Yeah, it's that's the hardest part of it. He amazingly is doing well. He did rip out all his stitches after seven days, but or his staples, oh. I should say. I'm not Crazy surprised. Dogs. He may have what we term uh, goofy retriever syndrome. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I've coined that because I have one myself. He's a goofy retriever. Um, yeah, prone to just trouble. Uh, are you having difficulty keeping him from doing things at this point now, huh? Yeah, we really are. Um, we we do. We had taken our our half of our bed and put it downstairs as to keep him off the stairs, you know, and stuff uh-huh. like that. But now we are walking him up the stairs on the lead. We've never had to harness his back, but we are having a hard time keeping him down. Like when he sees other dogs out the window, he wants to run around the living room. Kind of hard to slow him down. Yeah. And when he wants to go real fast, he just lifts the leg up and then hops around on three. It's kind of hysterical, but you know. <laughs> He takes the the slow leg out from underneath him, and then he can really move. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's go fast mode. Yeah. Well, with a dog that recovers from a TPLO surgery, normally the healing time we're looking at about two to three months out, and about eight weeks after the surgery is when ideally we ought to get an X-ray to see how the bone is healing, um, because there is a mm-hmm. plate involved with that, and we want to make sure that there's good healing callus of that bone there. Um, that might make some difference in whether or not we want to give you a kind of free reign to get into some of the grooming activities. Um, I'd have to say because he has goofy retrievers syndrome and then you know we might push that back as far as we can for your typical standard type grooming um that being said there are some dogs that i have to get some kind of grooming done whether they're just stinky dirty from you know being post-surgery or what have you if we do have to get him to a groomer or do a home bathing there are some precautions that i would do and and one is to use a non-stick uh mat in the bathing tub um because that's very important we don't want him slipping and losing his footing in any way um, and jumping in and out of a tub is a horrible thing for a dog after this type of surgery. So if possible, we'd try to either do this. Um, I, I've even bathed some dogs um, in our dog runs at the office um, where we don't have to even worry about the up and down, and that helps to kind of make us feel better about that whole experience. Um, okay. And then, uh, you know, know your dog and know your groomer. Um, if if it seems like it's a something they can pull off without risk of injury, um, you know, then it may be okay. But uh, for a lot of these really uh, silly, uh, exuberant uh, retrievers, I, I would push off the, the true grooming until we're cleared by the doctor that everything's healed. Okay. No, that, that sounds good. You know, I could deal with most of it. It's just his face is getting kind of crusty, and I wasn't sure how to handle that. <laughs> getting all stiff. And, yeah. But, uh, now, my dogs, they love a good hot rag on their face, and I call it the doggy spa. So they come and they get the hot, warm towels, and I put on their face, and they push and shove and push their way up. They get their ears clean and get the doggy spa. So, you know, even something as simple as that may make uh, make him feel good. And, you know, just like us, yeah. you got to look good to feel good. So, Absolutely. Uh, you, know. you know, and consequently, Dr. Debbie, this is the one I called you on about two and a half months ago that I wanted to get a second opinion on him. I thought it was a bad diagnosis, and it did turn out that it was. You were right. I'm glad I did. I did go get that second opinion, and I'm glad awesome. I did. Great to hear. Isn't she the well, best good. doctor around? That's why we... Come, oh. come here. Give me a... All right. I'm Thank you. He's giving me noogies here. A lot of love in the room right now. one 405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and this is my best pal, Rosie. <laughs> We're your hosts on Pets Welcome Here, the TV special about amazing adventures you can share with your pets. Look for Pets Welcome Here on your local network affiliate, or go to petswelcomehere.tv and check our schedule to see when we'll be on in your area. That's petswelcomehere.tv. Check our schedule, then join Rosie and me on our adventures on Pets Welcome Here. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The Wall Street Journal reports that Nestle, the huge food and beverage conglomerate, which also owns Purina, by the way, is in talks to buy a majority stakes of Canada's champion pet foods for $2 billion. This is huge in the pet food world. If you don't know, Champion makes super premium Origin and Acana dog and cat foods, which most people are willing to spend the money on because they are not cheap. They're expensive, but they're high-quality pet foods. Now, this news of a bid to take over Champion is going to upset a lot of pet parents who feed Origin or Acana because they buy it, knowing, above all, that it is not made by any of the major pet food manufacturers. The fact that Origin and Acana brands are independent and such high quality is exactly why those people are willing to spend so much money for it because they can afford it, and it's worth it. That, though, likely won't be the case if Nestle takes over Champion and its brands. All these companies do the same thing, and they ruin these great foods. Yep. Smuckers bought a bunch, and they're Mm -hmm. all just buying them all up, and there's only going to be a handful of major companies now that own all the different foods. They make crap. When does it become a monopoly? Because I don't don't know what those laws are. I mean, here's the thing. This is a Canadian company. So, right. you know, you avoid a lot of those monopoly laws. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And they are premium brands. They are really well-known brands with great reputations. If Purina, Nestle, uh, in other words, owns it, it's probably not going to stay the same. Although they say it will. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> that never no. happens. That never right. happens. No, because bottom line is the dollar, and they're not going to spend that kind of money making premium food. They're going to use crap and charge the same price and make it all in the same place and just put a different label on it yep That's slap a different do. label so, judy you said something that is absolutely key to this story and that the reason that nestle is looking to buy champion is absolutely for the money because the nestle portfolio is not growing fast enough as their business advisor would like them to so they need something that is growing more quickly and that would be the champion brands because they have those high quality origin and acada brands it's a shame so you're right absolutely in this case especially does all come down to money joey do we make our own food i mean what do we do i mean if you really think about it it seems like every good food eventually gets bought out yeah, eventually um, and it's a shame because what happens is i mean you know think about the average the average pet owner okay think about the average pet owner thinking that they're going out and they, they, they did their research and they're buying this food and then sometimes months maybe years later you you find out that the food that you thought was was good was inadequate food and you know i think it's like everything else even with humans um you know most of the diseases that we have and again this is my assumption but i think i'm pretty good at it is that you know the the, the stuff that we put in is is really Really, what's affecting you know our conditions, allergies, and and a lot more. And the same thing with our pets, and it's unfortunate. Here you go. Yep. Yeah. All right. 
If you guys are lovers of primates, monkeys, chimps, gorillas, you know the like, you may not be seeing as many different photos of them in the future. And here's why. Because recently, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, made a major push in its efforts to stop what it calls harmful portrayals of primates and has successfully lobbied a number of stock photo companies to remove images that they have in their libraries that show primates in an unnatural way. Now, approved stock photos will now, for those companies, only be taken in zoos or in the wild. It's got to be natural. Now, stock photos, if you're not up to date on this, you may not know, they're used in everything from advertising to greeting cards. You see them on websites and newspapers. But in the wake of talks with PETA, four major stock photo companies have agreed to go through their catalogs of photos and remove what they call all inappropriate images of primates. And what does that mean? What is inappropriate? Inappropriate would be um, a chimpanzee um, like jumping up and down on the hood of a car dressed in um, a bandana around its neck and overalls looking like it's having fun. But they say in Hollywood, this stuff is really stressful to these animals. So they're just banning the pictures. When we start saying that certain photos can't be seen anymore or banned, are we starting to censor things? I mean, I kind of flip um, to the other side there. Well, this they're just saying they have basically, in their eyes, educated these stock photo holders, companies, to say, you know, no, this isn't natural and we don't want to be a part of it because so many photographers do sell their photos to stock photo companies because they get money for it that way. But there's something, there's one other point to this story, and that is that the big kahuna of stock photos, Getty Images, and you see that all the time. Oh, yeah. Getty has reportedly pledged to go a step beyond eliminating inappropriate images of all wild animals in unnatural environments. Wow. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you, Hal. Do you think it's censorship? I I do. I mean, to a certain certain extent, I really do. I think that sometimes we go overboard with censorship and... um, I mean, give me, um, listen, give me some good studies that are showing that everything that we're doing here is, um, you know, stressful on, on the pet. And I'm sure in some cases it is, but I'm wondering if it's individual, you know, like people. You know, some people thrive on things and other people don't. And I wonder if it's the same, if, you know, if it's the same or if it's not. I don't know, but I think it's getting crazy. You know, it's, yeah, okay. You're going to give up there, Hal? Well, I, I think that if you stop showing pictures of massacres and uh, photos of guns and violence, does that make violence and guns and massacres go away? I don't know. I always go back to in my head many, many years ago when we were working together in Los Angeles. And um, we had the the very first of the highway shootings. Or what mm-hmm. did they call those? Snipers, yeah, drive-bys. Yeah. And we received letters at that time. Now, this was in the 80s yeah. from uh, law enforcement officials saying, if you would stop doing these stories, it would stop perpetuating them. We wouldn't have so many of these drive-bys. And we do see that a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. So that you just made my point. And that I is if you, so. well, if you take these photos out of circulation, <laughs> does it mean it goes away? Not really. It, it doesn't. No, but I think it, it takes the dollar signs out of people's eyes when they see it. You I'll know, like, you that. hey, that's another way that I can, you know, abuse and manipulate animals to make money for myself and treat them poorly, which is what most of them do. Mm-hmm. All right. Cat lovers. Who's a cat lover? How? Yes. <laughs> Meow. Look, I said cat and my whole path goes crazy here. <laughs> 
So talking about cat colors here, according to the International Cat Association, there's really only two primary colors of cats, being black and red. All other colors, they say, with the exception of solid white, are simply variations of black and red. Does this make sense to you? Sort of, no. <laughs> yeah. Now, think genetics. This, is all, this all has to do with genes. Now, the reason they say this is so is because white is a masking gene that actually hides colors. So cats that are genetically black or red, their color is hidden by white. And in addition, they say tabbies are, of course, cats with stripes. A tortie is usually a female and mixed black and red genes that show their variations. But you add white to the tortie gene, and to that you get all these colors in patches, and that's where you come up with a calico. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting stuff. I used to sit in the library in college and study genetics for horses. <laughs> you had such a wild college life. I'm such a nerd, huh? In a good way. Anyhow, I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. On the phone with us is Alan Cook, the uh, creator behind the brilliant pad. Hold on, let me get my chair just right. My chair wasn't sitting right there. Are you, are you okay now, Hal? Are you ready to do oh, this? I'm comfortable now. <laughs> hey, Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Very good. I wanted to get you on the horn because of this shelter program that you have. I want you to explain to listeners what it's all about. First of all, the Brilliant Pad, if you're a brand new listener to Animal Radio, and that's about the only way that you wouldn't know about it, is this automatic potty system that Ladybug uses religiously. Yes, she does. She trained to it so easily, and it's just made my life so nice. But I want to talk to you about the shelter program. What's that all about? Well, we are giving away free product to shelters and animal rescues. Uh, They can use them within their facilities put them in the homes of foster families, or use them as fundraisers. And we also can provide postcards to that go into adoption packets that give everyone who adopts an animal from a participating shelter a free Brilliant Pet. Okay, so if I'm working at a shelter right now, and I think this would be a great opportunity for our shelter, what do I have to do and what will I get? Well, the best thing to do is go to our website, brilliantpad.com forward slash shelters. All the information is there and what you can do or send us an email to shelters at brilliantpad.com and tell us uh, the name and details of your organization. And what we will do is provide you with a couple of free machines and postcards that you can put into your adoption kit so that everyone has the opportunity for a free Brilliant Pad. This is awesome, Alan. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. You know, it's uh, we want to do what we can to support the animal community and appreciate how you've supported us along the way, and we're thrilled to be giving back. 
When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. This is Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And a good weekend for me is heading over to the pet store. And I'll spend spend a couple hours in a pet store. It's like a hardware store for most people. Or what do you ladies like? Victoria's Clothing Secret Store, clothing stores. store. It's like that for me. Fabric store. Yeah. <laughs> I'll walk in because there's so much there. You know, it's not, it used to be just uh, dog food and cat food and some toys. But now there's all these electronic gadgets and all this furniture and stuff. Where does that stuff come from? Well, every year there is a major show in Las Vegas. It's called Super Zoo. And this is where all the manufacturers get together and all the store owners buy their stuff that they put in the store. And we send our very own Pet World Insider, Robert Semro, out there to Super Zoo this year. And uh, he's joining us on Skype. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? I am doing great. And it was an incredible show this year. Yeah. So what did you notice that was new this year? There was really a lot of emphasis on health, natural technology. Uh, Really just an explosion in the things that we've seen in previous years but in effort to elevate it. Was there anything that you hadn't seen in previous years? And I think one of the interesting things that I saw from some of the manufacturers was the way that they were reaching out in not only marketing, but also bringing products to the market. Um, One of those examples would be uh, some of the folks were actually approaching me about things that they were going to be putting onto Kickstarter and other crowdfunding resources because they felt that was going to be a great way for them to kind of test out the viability of the product with the millennials. And, and that whole area has exploded. And we're really seeing more of a uh, emphasis and, and a reach out to the millennials. It, it's really been the other way in years past. This year, it really seemed to go in that direction. So you're seeing companies using Kickstarter, even big companies, established companies using Kickstarter to introduce products? Yeah. In fact, it was really interesting because you may not know that it's actually a bigger company. It may be uh, a subset or someone that they're working with in their development program, but they're they're taking these products and we've seen so many of these products over the year. All of us have been approached to, you know, hey, share this with your audience. The reality is that's also a great way to see if it's viable and if there's a real interest out there. The amount of things that we sometimes go, oh, nobody's going to be interested, and then it gets crowdfunded has kind of taken it in a whole new direction. And I think the bigger companies are really taking a look at that and saying, you know what? Here's a great way to do additional market research. So that's what they're doing. That's actually pretty wise when you think about it. If they can find the funding on Kickstarter, then it might be a viable product. And if they can't, you know, screw it. Put it on the shelf. 
Yeah, well, and I think the other thing, too, is a lot of them, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to make it seem like it's hundreds, but those that were doing it were indicating to me, you know, we're still going to come out with the product. We've put a lot of time, research, energy, but they do get good feedback as well from social media and pet parents who go, gosh, I really like this, but if you made a tweak here or just in my experience a tweak there, I'd love to see it. So it, it really is clever. What about CBDs? I, a day doesn't go by that I don't get an email <laughs> from a company that's introducing CBDs for animals that might be having uh, pain issues or mobility issues. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what, you could not walk one aisle. And you know, I spend a lot of time in this area. I'm very passionate about it. And I have to say, it is probably the next, uh, as I would call it, the food and treat uh, world that we're moving into. In other words, there's a lot of, lot of companies getting into it that are just flooding the market. And I think there's going to be some things when, when folks start to really understand the benefits, I think most people are, are very open to and they're hearing about it, they're reading about it. I've used it, my friends have used it, blah, blah, blah. It's helped my pets. So I think the acceptance is there. Now that next step is, Where's the quality? Where's the quality control? You know, how is this being grown? How is it being processed? Much like turmeric, it's got to be activated. So what's that process? And then we get into things like, hey, in that activation process, a lot of times, much like in the food and treat world, we're seeing it being cooked or heated for an extended period of time. And that's bringing down the terpenes, the flavonoids, and the CBD levels, and then synthetically it's being built back in. And I think once folks you know, start to realize and understand this, much like we've seen in food, much like we've seen in treats, we're going to see folks demanding more transparency in that labeling and saying, hey, I want all natural, organic. I want it to be the best that it can be if it's going to have those healing properties that I'm looking for. Sure. And so, but yeah, boy, Hal, you are so spot on. CBD was just everywhere. And we're seeing it in a variety of products too. It's not just in oils or in treats. We're seeing salves. We're seeing capsules, powders, you name it, mixed in with catnip. I mean, just whole slew of different exciting things. I really do believe CBD is going to be something that not only our pets are taking on a daily basis in the future, but all of us will be taking. And I know that's probably not something we would have said two or three years ago. So that was definitely an explosion on the show floor. Dr. Debbie, do you have patients that come in and say, hey, can I use CBDs on my dog or cat? Every day. Yeah, every day. Every day. Yeah, and you know, I think it's 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 a great avenue to look at, but unfortunately, I think the trend right now is people are looking to that before they're looking at proven veterinary therapies. So it, it does get a bit exhaustive at the end of the day when, you know, everything that comes in is, can we use CBD? Can we use CBD? It's like, gosh, no, no, we take the thorn out of the foot first before you can give it CBD oil. <laughs> I love that. that. And that's a great point, Dr. Debbie. Great point. Work with your vet, work with an expert. Robert, thank you so much for spending time with us. If people want to learn more about you, it's what is it, PetWorldInsider.com? You got it, my friends. Take care of yourself. Have a great day. Take care. And we're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405.
all dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And if you're old like me, you remember Leona Helmsley. A couple of decades ago, she left her... Dog? Yeah, dog. Lucky. I believe $25 million. Wasn't her dog's name Trouble? Oh, I guess you're right. It was Trouble. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was Lucky. Trouble was just Lucky. Yeah. (laughs) I imagine a dog with $25 million would be Trouble. And Lucky. (laughs) Oh, God. Don't confuse him. Yes. (laughs) Leona, unfortunately, she didn't do it right. She left uh, this money in a will, and it sort of got all messed up in the very end. Of course, she'll never know about that. But wouldn't you like to die peacefully knowing that your animal is taken care of if you expire before they do? Certainly you would. Certainly. And that's exactly what A.J. Fudge is going to be talking about. A.J. Fudge is an estate planning attorney. She's written a book called A Life of Love. Mandatory reading for animal owners. If you own a pet or your pet owns you and you don't have them in your will or you don't have a trust, this might change your mind. She's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on? Well, they say that there's more than one way to, well, let me just, let me make it simple, okay? Let's just record a cat within the next day or so. And put that on your phone. You want the meow sound. And we'll tell you why and how it might save your cat coming up. Let's go to the phones. Hi, Sharon. Hi. How are you? Where are you calling from today? Um, I'm calling from Riverside, California. Oh, listening on coast, I assume. So how can we help you? I have the whole team here for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, my cat, um, um, she's about i thought she was like two years old but she's about four years old um i got her i live in senior apartments and i got her um from off of the street inside here and so i'm not sure of her age or anything but i think she's probably about four instead of two and um her ear her left ear um has this brown stuff in it Mm, and um i've been taking kleenex to it and and trying to clean it off and um her other ear is fine her right ear is just her left ear mm-hmm. and she doesn't um seem to like claw or itch at it any more than she does the the clean ear um okay. but so do you I, feel I she is scratching her ears um a little bit and okay. like behind her ear too Okay. And then is anything else going on? Is she having any um, problems walking? Does she seem unsteady on her feet? Um, no, no. She is like a tiger. <laughs> she <laughs> runs around here. Oh, my gosh. And, and I have throw rugs in the hall, and she disturbs those, you know. And she uh-huh. she just, uh, no, she can jump really high and everything. She's very active. <laughs> okay. No. All right. Everything else seems to be okay. Um, 
it's just that she gets a little wild sometimes. Mm-hmm. She's a tortoise, right. uh, tortoise shell cat. Tortoise shell, yes. She has like the markings of, uh, you know, um, well, she has the stripes and all of that, and um, she's really pretty. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so we have a kitty with brown stuff in the ear and some itchiness. So yeah. um, two big things come to mind. Um, and she's an indoor kitty at this point? Oh, yeah. I take okay. her out in the hallway. Um, uh, we have a hallway before you go outside. And I take her out there and I stand in front of the stairs because I don't want her to go down the stairs and have to follow after her. But okay. um, right. she... Um, She's out there for a little while, but she's mostly indoors, yes. Okay. So for cats that go outside or have spent some time outside, um, the one big thing that is a is a concern when we have brown stuff in the ears is ear mites. So little mites that mm-hmm. live in the ear canal that produce this kind of icky stuff and um, are itchy. They create an itchiness oh. um, depending. Some cats, they may have just a few mites and not even a lot of discharge, and they could be horribly itchy. Um, So that would be one concern I'd have. The other thing is that outside of a parasite, we could definitely get um, an infection, um, either a bacterial or a fungal infection in the ear. So with these situations, one of the best things is to to have her evaluated by a veterinarian where they'll take an otoscope and look down in her ear. Um, sometimes when we have mites, we can actually see those little suckers just with the otoscope, but typically we'll, we'll want to take a little swab and look under a microscope and see if we see these parasites. Um, because there's definitely different roads and different um, medications that we're going to want to use if we suspect that we have ear mites or we suspect we have an infection. Um, But the good news is that, um, you know, even things like ear mites are very treatable and there are different types of topical drops or that you put in the ear or there are actually drops that we can use kind of like a flea or tick product um, on the skin to help treat the mites. So that's that's certainly Uh a good thing. Um, The infection side, I think we, you know, with either situation, we have to be kind of cautious because in dogs and cats, they can be a bit sensitive to infection when it's deep down in the ear. So Uh what we can see happen is there's outer ear infections and then there's also inner ear or middle ear infections. And those deeper infections can actually lead to problems where the pet may be unsteady, wobbly, falling over, or even tilting their head to one side or the other. So those, that's one reason why it's very important that the veterinarian take a look deep down because we want to make sure that eardrum is visible, it's healthy, and that tells us, okay, we're not in the second category. You know, we're going to be able to treat this with a more um, streamlined approach than have to get uh, a bit more more complicated with things. Uh-huh. So I think that um, will be well worth ear, it. What can ear mites do, I mean, to um, an animal's ears, like if what? they've had it for quite a while? Yeah, so anything that causes a chronic ear infection can have a couple effects. Um, one is that it can cause um, inflammation. It can cause a, the infection to go um, deeper in the ear and cause some of those other symptoms that I mentioned, the falling over uh-huh. and so forth. 
But in most cases, when we have just ear mites, they're annoying. Um, they itch. They drive the patient crazy. You know, it's it's yeah. just it's it's kind of like if you always had hives on your body and it was always kind of bothering you and you're always scratching. Oh, yeah. It would just make you kind of cranky, irritable, and, and not yourself. So that's what we do tend to see when a, a pet has ear mites is that once things get treated, you know what? They, they seem to be more relaxed. They seem things fall back into place. So um, uh-huh. I wouldn't necessarily worry that it's necessarily led to anything serious, but um, you know, certainly getting her checked out would be an important thing. Um, but I will tell you, cats can be a bit special when it comes to chronic ear infections and they can get some weird, um, polyps that will form in their ear canal or in their throat after, um, untreated ear infections. So, um, yeah, I've heard something about, um, um, mineral oil or something uh, about that with ear mites. Yeah, and ear, uh, mineral oil is a great carrier so that we can sample the ear mites, but it's unrealistic that you're going to be able to kill them all effectively by filling the ear with mineral oil. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, it's going to be very hard to do. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't advocate you trying a therapy like that without first having her evaluated because, um, you know, if it's a different scenario where she has an infection, a bacterial infection or a yeast infection, we're just kind of irritating her ear further and not getting things addressed and, you know, when it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope that uh, helps you out a little bit, Sharon. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I know what I should do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like I said, there's a lot of therapies if, if it is ear mite. So there's a lot of things we can do that are not necessarily labor intensive and nobody wants to medicate their cats. So there are ways yeah. we can kind of get around that. Um, but you know, we just have to have the right path. Thank you so much, Sharon, for your call, and we do appreciate you taking the time to reach out because a lot of people may have the same question as She's well. lucky to have found you. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget you can also ask your questions for the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. This delicious serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com, and thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Now, the uh, barking you hear in the background, that is Tater. That is Lori's dog. He's sort of the leader, isn't he? How'd you know? (laughs) Once he starts the barking, everybody else. Because you see that tail going back and forth from my studio window to your studio? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) He's helping you with the news this hour, I understand. What, What are you working on? Um, there is this incredible new uh, piece of information, new study out, that basically says Christopher Columbus killed Native American dogs. But before you get all excited, it's probably not what you think. Huh. But it's very interesting. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats. Horse or emu, animals are people too. On any given afternoon, neighbors might see David Valentine and his two goats jumping up and down on his backyard trampoline. And it's got them hopping mad. 12-year-old David has lots of animals, dogs, cats, guinea pigs, rabbits, a turtle, a parrot, and a gerbil. 
but it's the trampoline jumping goats that seem to help him manage his attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. David's family is now fighting the neighbors and the town zoning law in court. David's mom calls the goats a miracle and a gift from God. David thinks the goats motivate him more than the other pets because they're like a kid with ADHD. They don't listen very well. That's kind of like me," he said. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pets Welcome Here. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and this is my pal Rosie from Pets Welcome Here, the TV special about amazing adventures you can share with your pets. Find Pets Welcome Here on your local network affiliate or petswelcomehere.tv and check our schedule to see when we're on in your area. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food, but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease. Keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer, and those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food, risk-free. Canine caviar. If you could only see Judy trying to teach the dog how to moonwalk. <laughs> this is, I, I wish it was TV sometimes, you know? Yeah, I'm, be fun? I'm glad it's not. Speaking of pet TV, you've heard of Pets Welcome Here TV. Joining us, the brainchild, Heather Eisenstadt. Hi, Heather. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. For listeners that uh, just tuned in today, this is their first day listening. Tell them what Pets Welcome Here TV is all about. Well, Pets Welcome Here is actually America's top pet travel TV show. We travel all over the country showing our audience amazing experiences that they can share with their pets in great pet-friendly destinations. I wish I had that gig. (laughs) Oh, it, it is so much fun. Where can people see the show? Well, we are in syndication all over the country. Uh, we're in key markets, including New York City, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Detroit, Minneapolis, St. Paul, you know, Orlando, Tampa, all over the country. So the best way for people to find out where to see us on their local station is to go to our website, PetsWelcomeHere.tv. That's PetsWelcomeHere.tv. And look for our schedule, which will be up in the menu. Click on the schedule, and you'll see all the cities all over the country that are carrying the show, what station it'll be on, and what time. As I mentioned, you're the brainchild of this. How did you create the show? Well, if you've ever gone on vacation without your furry kids, you know you know how heartbreaking yeah. it is to leave them behind. You have to look at those faces and, and the sadness, and that hurts us as much as it hurts them. Well, we've always had you know two or three dogs and cats, and so I started to research where we could go and what are the fun things that we could do with our pets. And then I found out that more than three-quarters of pet parents said they would take their dogs and their kitties on vacation with them if they knew where they could go. So I said, hey, 
you know, a lot of people might enjoy a show where you could discover how to have awesome travel experiences that includes your pets. And so we made Pets Welcome here. So when I travel with my pet, what are some of the things I can do? Now, I have a small dog, so hiking and things like that are kind of out of the question. What are some things like that a cat or a small dog could do? Well, you would be surprised uh, how much in small pets enjoy historical tours, even in cases where some of them are actually in strollers. I've seen a lot of people with small <laughs> dogs and cats in strollers. Uh, so you can tour historical cities like Philadelphia or Williamsburg. Uh, you can go to great places like St. Augustine and see the Fountain of Youth Archaeological Park. You would have to keep Ladybug away from the Fountain of Youth. I'm just telling you <laughs> right now. You don't, you don't want to do that. Okay, one more time. What is the website so people can uh, find out about the show? It's PetsWelcomeHere.tv. Go to the schedule, click on it, and you'll see where and when we will be on in your area. PetsWelcomeHere.tv, and of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Heather, thank you so much for hanging with us today. Thank you, guys. You have a great one. You, you too. too. Bye. Hey, Joey, how are you doing today? I think, I think I'm think i doing good. It was a rough night last night. Yeah? What's up? Why, why is that? Yeah, um, you know, it was, it was just, you know, a couple of martinis and, you know, what that leads. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's been a rough night, but um, I feel good. I think I'm doing good. Glad to see you here today. So what's going on? So uh, you, this is what I want to talk about because we, I have, I don't know um, if we, well, we really didn't speak about it much, but if you really pay attention with what's been going on with, with um, some of the groomers' um, headlines around the country, and I think a lot of it's because of now social media and just an easier way of you know delivering the news. And as we all know, because we've talked about this before, that the professional grooming industry is an unlicensed um, industry, which um, to me um, it has its pros and cons, but mainly the cons are that anyone can claim to be a professional pet groomer if they have a pair of scissors and clippers. And in a lot of situations, you know, it's dangerous. I mean, we work with um, equipment that can overheat the pet or injure, um, you know, and sometimes, um, you know, you know, pets even can die. So here's my thing. It's right now it's buyer beware. Right now I'm working with the state of New Jersey to help develop legislation on grooming and getting them not licensed but certified because certification to me is probably does a little bit more because you got hundreds of hours of of information that has been developed by people who actually know the industry opposed to people who are just appointed by the state thinking that they know what's going on. But what we're working with here, and this is one thing I want people around the country to understand, your groomer is not licensed. So number one, check their history. You know, where did you come from? It doesn't mean that you had to go to school to be a, a great professional groomer because you could have been mentored by some of the best people in the world and be a fabulous groomer. But what you want to do is you want to ask them questions. You want to tour the facility, and you want to make sure that the place looks good, it's it's clean, that the people aren't walking away from their tables while dogs or cats are on the table to staying within hand's reach. You want to ask them questions of how how do you um dry your dogs? Are they put in drying kennels? And drying kennels are not bad people, okay, even though you hear a lot of bad things. If they are regulated, 
if they are time um, and temperature controlled, which most of them are, and ask them, even if they are, well, what is your safeguard? Safeguard to me would be every 20 minutes I would make sure that that pet was checked upon, make sure they're not overheating, make sure they're not being that they're not overstressed. Ask questions. If there's one thing you don't like, move on. Go to somebody else. Until this industry is better regulated, okay, you need to be the buyer beware, and you need to make sure that your pet is safe in the hands of a professional pet groomer. Great advice from Joey Volani, the dog father. If you want to talk to him right now, call. Put those fat little fingers in the phone and dial 1-866-405-8405. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. After a very long investigation, new research says that Christopher Columbus's arrival in Americas basically led to the complete erasure of Native American dogs or dogs that were here first. The study published in the journal Science argues that dogs native to all of the Americas were essentially wiped out by the arrival of dogs from Europe in the 15th century. Arbor Biosciences, a company which assisted with the research, put out a statement after it was concluded saying, we now know that the modern American dogs that we all know and love, such as labs and chihuahuas and on and on, have come from Eurasian breeds introduced to the Americas between the 15th and 20th centuries. Well, dogs native to the Americas did not come from American wolves, as this uh, study points out, but rather American dogs originated in Siberia and then crossed the Bering Strait with humans that spread further throughout both continents and became part of Native American cultures. A lot of hoopla being made about this study this week. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, some quick-thinking flight attendants saved the life of a French bulldog recently on a JetBlue flight. The three-year-old Frenchie named Darcy was on a flight from Florida to Massachusetts. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. An airline attendant saved an animal. I just want to make yes. sure I get this one right. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. You Didn't mean to interrupt. I know, and, and that was part of, like, you know, the, the crux of this is that it was saved and not harmed by this. But what happens is her parents are sitting there with her, Darcy the dog. They notice her tongue starts to turn, well, it goes purplish first, then turns blue, and she's struggling to breathe. So the flight crew then quickly stepped in with an oxygen mask, which uh, Darcy's mom held over the dog's face until she started to pink up and breathe normally. It was pretty amazing. Everybody was very happy, of course, after some of the stories we've seen and heard lately. But short-nosed dogs, as French bulldogs, pogs, bulldogs, the rest, and many others, they are put at a higher risk for breathing problems when they're flying, be it anywhere on the plane, because they are more vulnerable to changes in air quality and temperature because of their smushed-faced nature. Well, you know the saying, there's more than one way to... Skin a cat. No, I hate that saying. 
So we weren't going to say that. We were just going to say there's one way to catch a cat, more than one way, okay. or kitten in this case. The cat, in this case, according to a, a local fire department in Maryland, was meowing loud enough to make its presence known to a woman who was driving by to the store. It turned out, though, that that kitten was inside the fender of her car. She couldn't reach it, so who does everybody call? The fire department. Mm-hmm. At first, the rescuers thought uh, maybe they would remove the car's fender, and that would be the, the best option. But before they tried it, somebody got a video of it, this loud and trapped cat. They played the video back, and lo and behold, the recorded meow was met with a live meow from the cat that was stuck in the car. It moved to a more accessible spot, kind of closer to the meow. So they kept playing the video, and the kitten followed the sound of that meow to the bottom of the car when rescuers nabbed it. And by the way, everything turns out great because one of the firefighters and his wife adopted the cat. I love those kinds of stories. That's a Me great too. idea to use the audio to try it. Because I've had that happen where cats get stuck in cars and they're out in the parking lot. And I get my cat out. It's like, how? We can't oh. find it. It's hidden. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And my wife has, uh, she's given me the ultimatum. She's laid down the line. She has told me that I cannot, absolutely under no circumstances, get another cat. <laughs> and mostly because the cat will probably outlive me, or there's a good chance that it will. Yeah. And what I know that the people like uh, Joey, they have to worry about that all the time. Joey has a bird, Gurney, who's uh, how old is he? Like forty? Got to be in her forties. Forty years old. Yeah. Could that live bird up could to live seventies, eighties. It knows? will outlive Joey. Yes. And I've asked Joey if Joey has any preparations for Gurney after. Mm-hmm. After he expires, not Gurney, after Joey expires, does he have Gurney in a trust or uh, any kind of will? He says no. He says each for their own. She'll have to deal with herself (laughs) when that happens. Poor Gurney. Yeah, poor, poor Gurney. Thankfully, Joey is nowhere to be found here. Yes, or he would chop your head off. (laughs) Yeah, he certainly would. Do you have any kind of pets or trusts or wills for any of your dogs, Lori? Um, well, I have a partner, so hopefully one of us will, um, you know, stick around the other, unless we, you know, happen to go together or something. I I guess we're not taking any plane trips together, (laughs) but, um, it's terrible, but no, um, no, I, I think we're pretty comfortable with the fact that, um, at this age of our life, if one of us should, uh, leave forever first, the other one is perfectly capable. For those that don't know, pets are your family, but they're property in the eyes of the law. And that means right. that when you when you punch the big time card, that the government could determine ultimately who inherits your animal. What? Well, I, I don't know all the details about it, but that's why I figured we'd get our good friend in the state planner, A.J. Fudge, on the phone with us. Hi, A.J., how are you? Hi, Hal. Hi, Judy. I'm good. How are you? So what's the, what, what is the deal? If, uh, if I don't have any plans for my animals afterwards what happens who delegates where they go and and where will they go 
Well, as you said uh, correctly, Hal, uh, animals are treated as property under the law, so they are subject to the same uh, rules and procedures that would apply to any of your other property. Um, and it depends on what kind of estate planning you've done. If uh, you do what I co- commonly call the do-nothing approach, yep. which is to just hope for the best, uh, that is how many animals wind up in shelters and eventually euthanized um, because no one wants to deal with them. And animals are a burden and they are an expense. And most people, um, unless they truly love that animal or are looking forward to having that animal in their home, uh, the shelter is the next stop for the animal. So that, that is commonly what happens to a lot of animals uh, in the United States anyways. Um, if uh, the owner does not do any planning for the animal, that is um, you know, unfortunately, the the end result. So, so that's the, that's the do nothing plan, which costs you absolutely nothing to do. That <laughs> can cost the life of your pet. Absolutely. What are the do something plans? Well, the do something plans are uh, the same type of planning that you would do for other aspects of your property. Um, For example, in California, most people do have a revocable living trust. Um, The reason that they have a trust is because uh, the probate procedures in California are very time-consuming, and they're also very expensive. California has abnormally high um, fees involved with a probate. And probates are what will happen to your property if you either do nothing or if you rely on a will for your estate planning. And so because most people want to avoid, uh, for example, the time delay and the fees, they put a trust in place. Um, I did a probate last year and uh, the people actually had a trust in place, but they had forgotten to put a piece of property in the trust. So we were just probating a single piece of property and the probate lasted 24 months and they paid almost $7,000 in fees. What what if I say that uh, I don't want to deal with all the lawyers, I don't want to pay lawyers or anything, I just have a good friend across the street, Kathy, and if I ask her uh, if she'll take care of my animal after I leave and I give her like, let's say $5,000, wouldn't that work? Well, uh, that could work, and it's certainly uh, better than doing absolutely nothing, for sure, is to try and get some kind of plan in place. Um, But you do need to still have uh, some legal documents in place um, to show that uh, your friend is is now the owner of the cat um, if you pass away. And also, if something were to happen to you and and you were incapacitated, your friend would need to be able to prove that she has the power to, you know, make decisions regarding the cat and um, take care of the cat uh, just as they would any other item of property. So you could use um, like a power of attorney, uh, maybe a will to accomplish the simplest form of estate planning. The issues with doing that are one, a will, like I just said, is still going to be subject to probate. So there's going to be a a delay there and expense involved. Uh, Even if you don't want to have an attorney, the court basically will take all that money that I was just talking about, those fees anyways. And the main thing that you kind of want to plan around too is just you know, if your friend, if something were to happen to her, you know, then your your animal's right back in the same position if your friend hasn't done any planning or if you don't have a backup in place if something happens to them. So for people that are, you know, really looking to just make sure that their animal never ends up in a shelter, uh, you normally would transfer ownership of the animal to your, your trust, which you have in place for estate planning purposes. Put your animal in the trust as well and you would name some caretakers and set aside that money and Instead of giving the money to the caretaker directly, it's actually uh, done through the trust so that, you know, the money has to be used for the animals and it can't be used for, you know, gifts to their relatives or their own personal expenses or things like that. 
We are with AJ Fudge. She's an estate planner. We're talking about pet trust. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back, and I'm going to find out just how much should we be leaving our animals. That's next. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Mercedes have announced their new subscription service called the Mercedes-Benz Collection. It allows participants to use different cars for different tasks and swap vehicles with a minimal amount of notice for a monthly fee of $1,595. Mercedes has launched a pilot program in Philadelphia, allowing customers to switch among four models a month. The service is being tested in Philadelphia and Nashville through 2019. Volvo, Lincoln, BMW, and Lexus are expecting to do similar. For the best information on vehicles, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets in this life and beyond. Do you have a pet trust for your animals? That's a pretty serious question now, as they are treated as property. And if you don't have a pet trust for them and you're, you're gone, who's going to take care of them? And you can't just rely on that handshake with that next-door neighbor, Kathy, I just learned. Uh, that's not legal. You need to have it written down. It needs to be documented. That's what I've learned so far. AJ, AJ Fudge, our estate planner and good friend, how much should I leave my cat? <laughs> well, it, it always depends. Uh, I have clients um, that ask me that question all the time. And I usually say it, it depends on how old the cat is and, and what kind of you know life the cat is living now. For a regular cat um, that just leads a pretty standard life, uh, I usually say you know you can leave anywhere from around 2500 to 5000 And the caveat on that is that you know that money is used to take care of the cat for their food, medical expenses, um, boarding that kind of thing. And uh, anything that's left over from that can still just go to your beneficiaries. Um, so I say it's it's usually better to err on the side of too much rather than too little, just because if you don't leave enough, then there's an issue with where are those funds going to come from. And uh, if you leave too much, it's not a big deal because that money is just going to go to whoever your beneficiaries are anyways. Yeah. Um, and there are situations that I've also had with clients and, you know, the kind of other end of the extreme from just passing the cat off to a friend with some money is, uh, you know, they, they have an, an elderly cat or a group of cats that are living in the house together and, and they want to make sure all these cats can stay together and stay in their home. And, you know, those types of plans um, are a little bit more uh, elaborate in the planning that we do. And the money that's set aside also increases for that type of thing, because you're not just looking at a single animal, you're looking at a group of them and then possibly maintaining a home for them as well. So, yeah. 
I have a question. Maybe I'm just thinking kind of of the bad things people do, but how do you ensure that, say you're going to leave $10,000 for the care Mm -hmm. of your cat, how do you ensure that someone isn't going to, say, euthanize your cat and pocket the money, Um, you know, just thinking bad things happen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And that's really where you're getting a lot of benefit out of the trust structure. Um, When you do this through an animal care trust, as they're often called, uh, you have the money set aside in the trust. Uh, Your trustee is overseeing everything, just as they are with your other items of property and your other accounts. And the caretaker is who's actually taking care of the animal. So there's a check and balance system in place to make sure that the caretaker isn't doing anything, um, as you suggested euthanizing the animal and just pocketing money there's a trustee in place to kind of oversee everything just like there would be with a child and you're leaving money to the child and the child's guardian obviously you want to make sure that that money is used for the child or for that animal and that's what the trustee's job is and they're actually under a uh, fiduciary duty which is one of the highest duties of loyalty that you can have under the law uh, to make sure that all trust funds um, and trust goals are met and if they're not they can face a tremendous amount of liability. And so most trustees are are very conservative and and make sure that uh, things are being followed um, to the letter. Go ahead. Well, I was I was hearkening back to Leona Helmsley, the the hotel owner who had lucky, I believe was the name of the dog. I just remember Mm -hmm. that because that dog was damn lucky. It got (laughs) a huge trust fund, uh, more money than any dog would ever need probably what happens to that and what really is the story behind that was there someone that was going to get the rest of that money after the dog passed uh yeah unfortunately you know leona's situation um was a a few decades ago now and the you know the law is a constantly evolving creature and, and she unfortunately mostly relied on a will for her estate planning and a lot of the the trusts and things that were to be created um, in her estate were actually done through a will after her passing and anytime a will is involved um, it's it's you know a little bit of a shady environment because wills have been around for so long and there's very strict rules that apply to them and uh, her estate was just unfortunately very mismanaged and there was a lot of trustee abuse there was you know not a good system of checks and balances in place Um, but assuming that uh, you know we take all of that to the side she did leave a ridiculous amount of money for her dog Um, and obviously there's going to be something left over there and that money would just end up going to whoever her ultimate beneficiaries were. Um, like It's the same situation. Anytime you have something left over, it just goes to what they call your residual beneficiaries. What age should we get a pet care trust? Uh you know, none of us have a crystal ball, and unfortunately, you know, something can happen in a blink of an eye. I, I'm a believer that when it's your time, it's your time, and you could just be stepping outside the front door of your house, you know, and something can happen to you. So I usually say uh, if you have, you know, children or animals or any kind of substantial property, um, that's the trigger for doing some estate planning because especially with children and animals, they cannot speak for themselves. They don't have much of a voice and, you know, animals are, are treated as property under the law. So they have even fewer rights than a, a child would and they don't have any advocates appointed for them. So um, I think it's a responsible thing to do some sort of planning for your animal, just like you would for your child as soon as you have one. 
um, just because you never know, you know, when something could happen. Mm. Better to be protected. Absolutely. The topic is near and dear to your heart. You have a book out called A Life of Love, Mandatory Reading for Animal Owners. It talks all about the subject that we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes or so. I appreciate you taking time to visit with us. AJ, you're always welcome on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Al. It's a pleasure as always. Well, that time has come once again for us to get on out of here. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, animalradio.pet is the website. And, of course, you can download the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And while you're online, check out Dr. Debbie's books, Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're Kindle books. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Hit the As Heard on Animal Radio button. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Bye. Until next Saturday. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.